It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Brian Kilmeade, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, January 29th, 2024, I'm Mike Emanuel. Nikki Haley's presidential campaign has shifted its focus to her home state of South Carolina. Now that it is Trump versus Haley on the Republican side. Nikki's going to win this campaign. And as the more people tell her she should get out, more people sign on. We speak with South Carolina Republican Congressman Ralph Norman, a Haley supporter. I'm Chris Foster. New cars and trucks might someday be required to detect whether drivers are legally drunk. You know, they have to be foolproof. They, you cannot have uh, a large number of false positives, meaning that, you know, if, if uh, the uh, system says you're impaired by alcohol and you're not, the yep. public's going to reject that. And I'm Tommy Laren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Three U.S. service members killed, at least 25 wounded, in an unmanned drone attack on American troops in northeastern Jordan. The latest of at least 160 attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq, Syria, and now Jordan by Iran-backed forces since mid-October. President Biden and Vice President Harris were briefed by their national security team as the White House and Pentagon consider a response. This amid negotiations between the Senate and the White House on a resolution to secure the southern border. House lawmakers are expected to consider articles of impeachment this week against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for his handling of the crisis at our southern border. New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik is the House Republican Conference Chair. This is very important as House Republicans are the last line of defense and we're holding the Biden administration and Joe Biden accountable for the catastrophe at our southern border. There has been a willful and refusal to comply with the law and an abuse of power in the position as Secretary of Homeland Security. You have a wide open border. It is the number one issue for Americans across the country. Congressman August Fluger is a Texas Republican who says Secretary Mayorkas's leadership has been a disaster. Secretary Mayorkas, who took an oath of office, by the way, to protect and defend the Constitution. You're talking over 8 million people illegally in this country, over 300 who matched the terror watch list that we know about, 100,000 deaths from fentanyl. This is also a busy time on the campaign trail as Republican candidates are spending time and energy on South Carolina. It's the home state of former Governor Nikki Haley. Haley was asked about expectations on NBC's Meet the Press. What I do think I need to do is I need to show that I'm building momentum. I need to show that I'm stronger in South Carolina than New Hampshire. Does that have to be a win? I don't think that necessarily has to be a win, but it certainly has to be better than what I did in New Hampshire. Former Trump campaign manager Kellyanne Conway isn't convinced. All this stuff about Nikki Haley, let me just make very clear, she doesn't have a math path. And those independents and Democrats who voted for her in New Hampshire probably going to vote for the Democrat in the fall. Party leadership is typically neutral during primary season, but RNC chair Ronna McDaniel has taken some criticism for favoring Trump. I'm looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. Haley's top supporters say don't count her out. 
But when you enter the arena of politics, it is a, one, it's a blood sport. Two, you put your time, you put your talent, you put your money into running a race. Congressman Ralph Norman is a South Carolina Republican who is backing Haley. And Nikki, you know, I was with her when she announced on February, I think, 15th or 14th. She's been doing this 13 months. Now, she her name is on the line. But even more importantly, this is January. We've had two. We've had a had Iowa and we've had New Hampshire. That's it. Uh, there are 40 other 48 other states that, um, you know, have a stake in this game, South Carolina being one of them on February 24th, and then Super Tuesday. And, you know, 36% will be decided by March 5th. 70% will be decided by the end of March. But if you look at the past, Romney in 2012, it was May before he, you know, got the count. Same thing with Trump, May. Hillary, Hillary in 2016, I think, was after that. But bottom line, it's absurd. And I will tell you this, Mike, Verona uh, McDaniel, in her role to, to come out and call for uh, the rumor has it she was going to basically ordain uh, Trump as the nominee is ludicrous. She makes $348,000 a year to represent all of the Republican Party. And unless her board got together... And gave her that authority. And even if they did, it's uh, it's it's absurd to say the least. And uh, Nikki's in this thing. She's going to be in this thing. And uh, we'll see how it works out. Are you surprised by how quickly some of your fellow South Carolina elected officials jumped on the Trump train? I'm particularly thinking of Senator Tim Scott, who was made a senator by Governor Haley and uh, Nancy Mace who Nikki Haley lives in her district, and they've done a lot of events together. Two things on that. I like both of them. Uh, Tim Scott was, you know, I like him as a senator. Nancy and I are, you know, teammates in the Senate. We're all from South Carolina. Um, it's what, what really I think I don't understand. Tim should have picked up the phone and called Nikki, and he did not. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got his own reasons, which is fine, but... I'll, I'll say this. When I decided to go with Nikki, uh, I call, I picked up the phone and I called Donald Trump and he was as gracious uh, and as, you know, but I respect the man and I respect for what he did for the country. And I told Nikki, I said, I, before I commit, I'm going to call President Trump. And I did. I don't understand why Tim did not. Uh, he, he said he texts. Texas. But that being said, everybody's got their different reasons. Uh, I don't really care uh, if, if we're going to be with uh, Nikki's going to win this campaign. And as the more people tell her she should get out or the more people sign on, I do think as an overall observation, the people who got behind Trump, look at the timing. You know, it's like picking the two Super Bowl winners the week before they play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but. I respect everybody's everybody doing what they have to do. I just don't operate that way. Former President Trump has certainly been critical of Ambassador Haley, he, you know, attacking her character as well as her appearance. Uh, it is clear she's gotten under his skin. Well, you know, and, and the pre- President Trump, with his name calling, is actually funny. I mean, he he got away with it in 2016. It's how he says it. 
uh, it's actually funny. And Nikki was laughing about it. And that plays out, you know, Donald Trump, you're not going to change him, nor would I try to. But it doesn't bother her. This isn't personal. It's not personal to me either. And politics never has been. People can call me what they want. And I will tell you, a lot of the people behind the scenes are scared of two things. One, the name calling. And two, they're scared they'll get a primary. Now, if you're scared of either one of those two things, you might want to find a different profession other than politics because let's let the people decide. And as I told her, I've had two two groups I've spoken with, and uh, this is not my seat. Uh, if, if somebody else wants it, I will gladly engage with them and let the, let the people decide. But that's not the overall feeling in Congress. That's why we've got to have term limits and get these guys out. Ambassador Haley's main argument for her campaign has been the electability of former President Trump. But the former president has been leading in general election polling against President Biden. In your view, is the Republican Party ready for new leadership? We'll see. I mean, you know, it all boils back to, uh, as an example, what Nikki's doing in South Carolina. Uh, you know, Trump has had a lead in every, you know, in every state and probably will. But now let's see how that plays out now. There are only two of them. And heretofore, we've had, well, you know, we started out 14. And now when DeSantis drops out, dropped out two weeks ago, it's now two. So we'll see how it plays out. But Nikki is willing to take that gamble. And she's willing to, uh, if you're a card player, throw the chips in. Let's see what happens. And she will do that. In terms of policy, the former president and Haley have clashed on foreign policy, immigration and abortion. What policies can be expected under a Haley presidency? And how do you think they would differ from former President Trump's presidency? You know, I don't think that the, to be honest with you, I don't think the substance of what she will do. Is she going to deport the aliens who illegally entered the country? Yes. Uh, is she going to get us in- energy dominance and drilling and fracking? Yes. Cut regulations so we're we're finally manufacturing and and getting those bi- those businesses back. Uh, substantively, I don't know it's that much difference. It's it's how she approaches it and how she comes to Congress to get approvals. And that's where she'll add so much value. But I can't think of that many differences. Um, I mean, he, he's the one that picked her for, for ambassador of the United Nations. He's mm-hmm. the one that bragged on her. I mean, there are no, unless I'm missing something, he, the whole time she was, was ambassador from 2017 to when she left, he was glowing praise. She's tough and she's handled herself with grace and represented this country well. But uh, the military, she will improve. As I mean, all of those things, the good things that uh, happened under President Trump, Nikki will will engage and even go further as far as recruiting people to run for office who are true conservatives. The bench, uh, she will secure the our Supreme Court with with conservatives, and that's what I'm excited about. She can sell her uh, her vision, and she's got eight years to do it. Is Nikki Haley committed to staying in this race through Super Tuesday, or will that be dependent on the result in South Carolina and, of course, fundraising? Well, you're right. It depends on all of those things. But mm-hmm. I will tell you now, yes, she's committed. 
Is she going to get out for South Carolina? Absolutely not. Is she going to get out for Super Tuesday? Absolutely not. Now, if things change, if let's say her fundraising dries up, or let's just say, um, you know, whatever happens, but she's willing. That's the beauty of a Nikki Haley. She's got the stamina and the backbone to take it. And it's going to be a, the game is on in South Carolina, which, um, is, is going to be a, a very important state. But she's going from town to town, taking the same message that she has had. And I understand she was on one of the Meet the Press or one of the programs that did an outstanding job. To your day job on Capitol Hill, House Republicans have released articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for high crimes and misdemeanors. <laughs> Two articles of impeachment. One is willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law. Two is a breach of public trust. What's your reaction, and do you think this will pass the House, and what happens once it reaches the Senate? He's all the above that you mentioned. Um, You know, we're not going to, if if you look at Mayorkas, who is just a glaring example of, of, of the border crisis, but all of the picks up and down the line, Blinken, um, you know, all of them are, it's not going to change until, let's say we impeach Mayorkas, which I think will happen. Now, the Senate, I have no idea. I've stopped trying to predict them, but uh, with, I think it will, uh, he will be impeached in the House. And I think uh, the, the downside is who will come behind him because Joe Biden, who is not in his right mind, and even if he was, he picks those who are similar in philosophy to Mayorkas, so it'll be somebody else, uh, maybe not as bad, but the direction he gives them is completely destroying this country. Congressman Ralph Norman of the great state of South Carolina, grateful for your time today, sir. Safe travels. Hope to talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I'm Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent and New York Times bestselling author. Join me for my brand new podcast, Searching for Heroes. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. This is Tommy Lahren with your Fox News commentary coming up. After years of decline, drunk driving fatality rates in the U.S. have been creeping back up. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration last month took the first step toward requiring technology in new cars and trucks to check whether the driver is drunk. Mothers Against Drunk Driving Victim Services Specialist Rebecca Sestea says she thinks it would help pave the way to a future with no more drunk driving victims. So we are really hoping that families don't have to suffer this kind of trauma anymore. Universal drunk driving detection in cars could be years away if it ever happens, and it would work without drivers doing anything to initiate it. No blowing into a breathalyzer tube, for example. There's uh, at least four technologies that I'm aware of that uh, are passive and would detect uh, alcohol-impaired driving. James C. Fell is a nationally recognized traffic safety researcher, a principal research scientist with NORC at the University of Chicago. So two of them are actually being tested on the road. I think the other two are also being tested because they do exist. Uh, but there, there's always new technology coming along, and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration 
put out an advance notice of proposed rulemaking, trying to gather data now to see what's out there and whether they can actually set a standard on this. Yeah. And again, it's a long way off. But what are if, yeah. if, if they tried to implement it today, what would they do? I assume one of them is has to do with just erratic driving, which is technology we already have. There's two technologies that are called the driver alcohol detection system for safety or the dads program. If And that's if you just Google dads, uh, you'll see their website. There are two technologies there. They're passive. One is breath-based, so when the driver gets in the vehicle, it will suck in the air that the driver uh, is blowing out as they're breathing, and it will it will uh, calculate the driver's uh, blood alcohol concentration. The other one is touch, and so when the driver either puts his hands on the steering wheel or, or uh, presses the starter button, it will measure the blood alcohol through the driver's tissue. Those are the two that are being uh, tested now on the roads in Maryland and Virginia. And, you know, they have to be foolproof. They, you cannot have uh, a large number of false positives, meaning that, you know, if, if uh, the uh, system says you're impaired by alcohol and you're not, the yeah. public's going to reject that. Sure. What are the other, the two? other two? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. With the other two, are they more just based uh, the other two, on the well, car? One, one, yeah, the other two are vehicle-based, and uh, one of them already exists. It, it measures whether you're staying in your lane. It measures uh, uh, your speed, your, your speed differential, uh, measures how close you follow vehicles, things like that. The other one is uh, a camera base. It's a camera of the driver's face, and it follows the driver's uh, eyes and the glance uh, uh, measures. And drunk drivers tend to, and, and impaired drivers, tend to just stare straight ahead and don't look off to the side. And if it detects something like that, then, you know, again, it would be a warning or something like that. If it was something that was a warning, like, hey, do you, maybe you shouldn't do this, you know, check yourself. Um, I, the car, think you might be drunk. Um, maybe maybe that would be accepted. But if it's something that your your car literally isn't going to start, the risk of false positives alone would seem that there would just be so much of a public outcry that you can't do it. Well, and that's exactly what happened back in the 70s when they developed technology for seatbelt use. Uh, they had this, the sensors in the seats that if uh, somebody was in the seat, that they had to buckle their belt or, or the car wouldn't start. And housewives were putting grocery bags on the seat and the vehicle wouldn't start because it sensed somebody in the seat. And so there was a big public outcry, and Congress immediately rescinded that particular standard. Now, you've been involved, and re you've researched impaired driving a lot, and you've testified about lowering, uh, w when they incentivize the states to lower the blood alcohol level from 0.10 in some states to 0.08. Now, you've looked into the benefits of 0.05. How much more dangerous is it? What's the factor of dangerousness as you go from 0.5 to 0.8 to 0.1? Well, the the risk of a crash increases as you go from 0.05 to 0.08 to 0.10. There's no question about that. Laboratory tests and crash and case control studies have shown that. The research is very strong in that regard. But as far as going down to 0.05, that is exactly where the risk of a crash is statistically significant. That is exactly where most drivers show show significant impairment in driving tasks. And it's an effective policy. It's been uh, it's been uh, done over in Europe, Australia, and whenever they lowered it, 
from 0.08 to 0.05 over in Europe and Australia, they found an effect that reduced alcohol-related fatalities. And so I think it's time uh, for the U.S. Uh, to consider that. I mean, only Utah now has done that. Yeah, that's, that's basically what I was getting at, is where is the tipping point? Uh, and you're saying 0.05, which is interesting. Now, um, give me an example, if you can, of what gets you to that 0.05. Um, how many drinks over how long a time, how much recovery time? People see those numbers, and I don't know that they yeah. understand how much you have to drink to get to that. In general, it would be three drinks on an empty stomach uh, within an hour for a 170-pound male, and it would be two drinks within an hour for a 120-pound female. Um, another thing being proposed is cars with built-in speed limits. Now, again, a tough sell, and there are times that you legitimately are safer uh, to speed up to avoid something, for example. Now, is the point to keep drivers under the legal speed limit or just say cars shouldn't be going 130 anyway? Well, yeah, I mean, it's that because that happened during the pandemic. Uh, in 2020 and 2021, there were a lot of high speed, over 100 mile an hour crashes, more so than we've ever seen before. And it's because, there were, you know, there's nobody on the roads and there was no enforcement. So as far as uh, as far as I know, uh, these speed governors would be would be uh, put on vehicles of chronic speeders. And you wouldn't be able to go more than 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. That's as far as I know. Um, I don't think the public would accept something that, uh, you know, would prevent them from going over the speed limit, for example, because just about everybody does. Um, my understanding in Europe um, is they're, 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 they're phasing this in, but they don't make cars drive slower. It's more like a notification. Like if you speed, you get a ding or like a haptic thing where your steering wheel, uh, you know, vibrates just a little bit. Like, hey, you're speeding, just heads up. Maybe you don't want to do that. Exactly. And th that's being tested in the U.S. And right now it's it's not accepted by the public, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And that system also presumes to know where the speed limit, what the speed limit is where you are, which means you're going to have to have GPS in every single new car. And there are people that aren't going to want that. Right. That's right. I mean, you know, as you know, technology is, is is just expanding exponentially. And and you know, the behavioral programs that we've had for drunk driving, for speeding, they they've had an effect, but they've reached the wall. Uh, there's only so much more that we can do in the behavior side. And so technology uh, might be the answer in the future. Where are we with distracted driving? I mean, it's right. As cell phones have become more ubiquitous, there's been more of a public campaign of like, hey, don't drive distracted. There are other ways to drive distracted than 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 with your right. phone. But look, I still see people texting while oh, they're yeah. driving and, and not using hands-free driving. Um, yeah. So I get so progress. Think, but, but again, I think it's technology. There is technology that can that can shut off your phone so you can't text while you're driving. I think technology is going to be the answer there because it's very, very difficult for law enforcement to determine whether somebody's on their cell phone or texting or whatever. Uh, Jim, pedestrian deaths are, at a, like, as far as I know, a 40-year high. They're falling in other countries, though. Now, are, right. you are you concerned about the safety of these larger and higher SUVs, for one thing, not for the people in them, of course? Like, uh, our uh, U.S. law tends to look more... You consider the safety of the people in the car, not the people outside the car, pedestrians and other cars. Um, is the height causing visibility problems in these new vehicles? 
looking ahead, electric vehicles are even heavier. So what, yeah, do we, it, what do we do to protect safety for pedestrians and the people in the cars getting hit? Well, the height is is an issue, but the biggest issue is the weight. When, when, when those vehicles hit a smaller vehicle, the smaller vehicle really takes the brunt and the chances of people dying in that vehicle go up. So it's the big mix in the U.S. of, of vehicles. That's one of the issues for our fatality rate. One more. Where are we? Where are we with self-driving cars? Are our kids today, kids born today, say, or their kids, are they going to wonder why we used to drive ourselves? I think so. I, I mean, we're still a ways off, as you know. The Tesla was recalled. Um, we're we're at a point where uh, we do have the technology, but it's not perfected yet. It still hasn't detected certain vehicles within a crash range. And, uh, you know, you, you really shouldn't uh, just let the vehicle drive itself in, in some of those automated vehicles. So I think we're a ways off, but I think eventually, yes, there will be automated vehicles. Now, you know, that, that will go a long way toward reducing fatalities, but what about drunk driving? Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen there because if you get a drunk in the vehicle, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't know where he's going. Um, and, and, and he tries the technology. I'm not sure what's going to happen in that regard. So, but I think automated vehicles are are in the future, and I think they will eventually um, take over. James C. Bell is a traffic safety researcher with NORC, the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. James, thanks for coming on. Thank you. a look at the week ahead. Monday, gather your W-2s. Tax season begins as the IRS starts accepting returns. Tuesday, the House Committee on Homeland Security will meet to mark up articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Republicans argue the secretary's policies are responsible for the migrant surge at the border. The secretary has called on Congress to fix a broken immigration system. Wednesday. Well, you can't be an Oscar Mayer wiener, but the next best thing maybe today the last day applicants can send in their submissions to drive the 27 foot long wiener mobile thursday the piano man himself billy joel will release his first single in over 15 years friday it's groundhog day people across the nation will check in and see if punxsutawney phil will predict six more weeks of winter or an early spring and that's a look at your week ahead i'm tom graham fox news Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tommy Laren. What's on your mind? Liberals love an open border until the open border comes to them. That's why I will be supremely curious to see how many residents of the affluent Chicago suburb of Naperville will take their councilman up on his request to open their large homes to illegals. Councilman Josh McBroom floated that very idea during a community discussion on the migrant crisis. While McBroom did say the city did not plan on using tax dollars to support the transient illegal immigrants passing through, I think the suggestion that residents house them is actually more egregious. But come to think of it, perhaps it is time for these Democrat voting municipalities 
municipalities to walk the walk that they so often just talk about. If you're willing to keep voting for the very people who are allowing the invasion at our border, you should be more than willing to pay the price, even if that means opening your own homes to the illegals your leaders have welcomed. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can watch my show Tommy Lahren is Fearless at Outkick.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. 